You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Jesus is in the garden. He's going to be pressed like an olive. He might as well be in a wine press as he's pressed to get the grape juice out of the grapes. He's being crushed. He's being pressured by Satan. He's being attacked. His humanity is starting to show. His humanity is starting to be strained to the point where according to the other Gospels, he sweats great droplets of blood. He's under enormous pressure. Can you imagine knowing what's coming next, especially if it's bad? Would you flee in the opposite direction? Jesus didn't run away, but he went and met the man who would turn him in. Pastor Dave talks about all this today and what the cup symbolized back then. Jesus prayed for the cup of suffering to not happen, but he still did what God told him. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 18 as he begins his message, Shall I not drink this cup? You are John chapter 18, wow, 18, chapter 18, specifically verses 1 through 11, which is where the focus of our study is going to be. Chapter 18, seems like we've been in the Gospel of John for a while, but it's been a lot of, so, so much meat, we might be in here for a while longer. John 18 begins a new section in the Gospel of John as everything now changes. Everything now changes its scenery, changes its style, and everything is now focused on one thing at first, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. So let's read. I'm going to read aloud verses 1 through 11. The Gospel of John, chapter 18, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew that place. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. When he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. And that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, And cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? So as we've been making our way through the gospel of John, John has used many, many different symbols 
metaphors and the like to describe events, places, and things that were happening or about to happen or might happen in the future. In fact, John's gospel is filled with all sorts of symbols. Some are more obvious than others, but each one of these symbols, when you look at it and you study it, conveys to us a very important spiritual truth, such as today, today's verses. Jesus' private ministry is about to come to a close. He has said everything he can possibly say to his disciples in the hopes that, that their hearts would be prepared for the events that now lay ahead. It had been a most long night, and it was about to get even longer. Jesus had been telling the disciples that he was leaving them, that they could not follow him at this time. He spoke of a betrayal by one of their own. He spoke of another one of them denying him. And he said to the rest of them, you'll scatter also and you will leave me all alone. And these things troubled the disciples' hearts. Their hearts were troubled to the point of despair. After the upper room and the supper that they had out up there, they made their way through the busy streets of Jerusalem, stopping somewhere just inside or outside the eastern gate where Jesus stopped lifted up his eyes to heaven and began to pray to the Father. This beautiful prayer that we had studied. Hearing Jesus' prayer must have filled the disciples' hearts with awe and joy as they listened in and they took their minds off themselves and they actually heard the Son of God speaking to God the Father. It must have been a very poignant moment for them. Knowing who Jesus was and knowing that he had come from the Father because they had already declared that they believed that. And here watching him and hearing him pray to that very Father, it must have struck their hearts and it must have made them just so overwhelmed by what was going on. Now as they left the city, they followed their master. They followed Jesus to a place that was very, very familiar to them. It was a garden that sits at the foot of the Mount of Olives. Let's read verses 1 and 2. When Jesus had spoken these things, what things? Well, everything before that, including the prayers, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Come with us to Jerusalem. And you'll see that the city of Jerusalem is surrounded by three valleys. There are three valleys that surround Jerusalem. There was one called Gehenna, which is in the south. Another one called Triopian, which is in the north or the southeast. And then there's the Kidron Valley, which is due east and runs north. The Kidron Valley separates the old city of Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. You need to come out of the old city of Jerusalem, come down the Kidron Valley, across the book Kidron, and then make your way up to the Garden of Gethsemane, and then up to the top of the Mount of Olives. It's a most beautiful, beautiful sight. At the foot of that mount is a garden. The other Gospels call it Gethsemane. Garden of Gethsemane. At the bottom of the valley, 
is a brook. It's the Kidron Valley, and the brook that runs through it is called the Brook Kidron. The name Kidron means dark, murky, and gloomy because it was often stained with the blood that ran from the temple down into the Kidron Brook after all the sacrifices that took place there. So it was very dark and gloomy. Think about it. This certainly would fit the mood of the evening. Jesus and his disciples were about to go through a very dark, murky, and gloomy night. It was going to be most muddled, if you will. And this picture that John is painting for us is beautiful. The garden, Gethsemane, that means oil press. The name Gethsemane means oil press. The garden of Gethsemane is filled filled with these huge, giant olive trees. That's all that are in the garden, everywhere, and they're, they're all over the place. Well, to get the oil from the olive, they've got to press it, crush it, so that the oil comes out. You have a beautiful picture of what's going to happen to Jesus as he goes into this garden. Picture this, if you will. A time of great suffering is about to take place. While in the garden, Jesus would be under extreme stress and pressure from Satan as he faces the events he knew what was coming. He was about to go into battle. Interestingly, thousands of years before, there was another garden where a man first encountered a spiritual warfare with the enemy for his soul. But sadly, man lost that battle. Man lost that battle that day in that garden. And when he lost that battle, he forfeited the rights of earth. And he handed the rights over to Satan because he yielded to Satan's will. Now, our Jesus enters into a battle with Satan. And again, the issue will be God's will versus Satan's will. But this time, there'll be a different completion this time, it'll come to a different completion, a different outcome. Another interesting image, if you will, as Jesus and the disciples are making their way across the brook Kidron that night, the blood of hundreds and of thousands of lambs are rushing by. Now, I don't know if there was something to cross over the brook with or if they had to walk through the brook. We don't know. It doesn't say but they had to get across the brook to get up the mountain, to get to the Gethsemane. Thousands upon that. They estimated that at Passover, there was over 200,000 lambs slaughtered. Imagine the blood flow. Imagine what it must have looked like. But picture this. The all-sufficient sacrifice of what we sang about this morning is walking over that same place where all this blood of the sacrifices are running by. It's a beautiful, poignant picture. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is on his way to meet Satan, on his way to fight Satan, and he walks over this place where blood is flowing. It's a poignant picture at best. Many have made a comparison between King David and Jesus. In fact, when we studied this in 2 Samuel, I made the same comparison. When King David was fleeing Absalom, 
He too went out the east gate. He too went across the brook Kidron and he too fled away because he was betrayed by his son. The people had rejected him and he was running away and he crosses this same brook. Here we have Jesus not running away but running to a place where he knew he would be arrested, running to a place. But he also was betrayed by one of his own. He also was rejected by his people. And he now is crossing over. So crossing the book Kidron means coming into suffering, coming into struggling against evil. I don't know about you, but I don't like to cross the book Kidron. I don't like to cross into suffering and pain. I'm a wimp when it comes to pain. I don't like suffering. But we must cross the brook Kidron from time to time. We must cross it and face to face with the evil one and fight temptation and the evil ways. As Jesus crossed over, he knew exactly what lay ahead of him. He and his disciples enter the garden. And according to the other Gospels, he tells eight of his men to stay here, basically at the entrance. And he takes three of them, Peter, James, and John, and they go deeper into the garden. And as you're standing at the foot of the garden, at the entrance of the garden, you see all these trees and you can see where they might sit and then where Jesus might take them back, where they were almost out of sight near another tree and pray. Maybe Jesus was looking for a little companionship. Maybe he was looking for a little encouragement that night from his guys. He had spent three and a half years with them. They knew him. They knew him well. They loved him. He knew that. And they knew that he loved them. Maybe he was looking for a little sympathy or companionship or something to help him. But he wouldn't get it that night because we're told in the other Gospels that these three disciples fell asleep. They fell asleep as Jesus went to pray. Remember at the dinner? Remember at dinner? When they all claimed, we'll be with you, we won't deny you. Peter, I'll die before I deny you, I'll die with you. Well, it's interesting that when we boast about our loyal and devotion to the Lord and severe testing comes, it's usually those who boast the most fail first and fall miserably. So Jesus leaves the three alone and he goes deeper into the garden to pray. Now, none of this is recorded in the Gospel of John. You have to go to the other Gospels to find this out. But you've got to put the whole story together. We need to look at the whole story. And he asked in a prayer, as he gets to the other part of the garden, he gets down and he prays this in Luke 22, verse 42. Jesus prays, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Scripture says he prayed this three times. Three times he prayed this prayer. We have to take a closer look at the cup. We've got to take a closer look at what the cup means. What does it mean if you take this cup away? What was he referring to? Well, throughout Scripture... The cup acts as a metaphor of an individual's fate. It can be positive or it certainly can be negative. Let's look at some of the positive examples. In Psalm 16, the psalmist credits the Lord with assigning his portion and cup in his life. In Psalm 23, David equates an overabundant life with an overflowing cup. 
In Psalm 116, the psalmist raises the cup of salvation as a thank offering to God, in effect offering the sum of his life to the Lord. Beautiful, beautiful scriptures of positive. But the metaphor of the cup can be most negative, too. In numerous prophecies, the cup retains its role as a representation of fate, but mostly on a national level, speaking about Israel itself. Specifically in these verses, let's look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah 25, 15 says, For thus says the Lord God of Israel to me, Take this wine cup of fury from my hand and cause all nations of whom I send you to drink it. In Isaiah 51, verse 17, the prophet speaks these words. Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of his fury. You have drunk the dregs of the cup of trembling and drained it out. Revelation 14. The angel calls forth, if anyone worships the beast in its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger. Remember, Jesus is in the garden. What's the garden's name again? Gethsemane. What's it stand for? Oil press. Jesus is in the garden. He's going to be pressed like an olive. He might as well be in a wine press as he's pressed to get the grape juice out of the grapes. He's being crushed. He's being pressured by Satan. He's being attacked. His humanity is starting to show. His humanity is starting to be strained to the point where, according to the other Gospels, he sweats great droplets of blood. He was under enormous pressure. He prays three times for the Father to remove the cup, and each time he submits his will to the Father. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus submits to the Father in total obedience. Another symbol of the garden reflects pain and suffering, but it also reflects obedience as well. Because in it, Jesus submitted to the will of the Father. So all this took place before Judas arrived. That's why I spent some time talking about this. This all takes place before Judas arrived. While Jesus is praying, Judas and the detachment of troops are now making their way into the garden, and they come into the garden, and they stir everybody. So let's look back in the Gospel of John 18. Let's look at three, excuse me, two and three. I'll read it two again. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. I love the fact that they come here armed. They got torches and lanterns, and they got weapons and all this kind of stuff. I mean, they're coming here to arrest him. Jesus always went to this place, it seems, because Judas knew of it. He knew where he would go. So Judas says, I know where he is. Come on, I'll take you there. So Judas is leading these guys, and they kind of barge in. They kind of barge into the tranquility of the evening. It doesn't take Jesus by surprise. It does not take Jesus by surprise. Let's read verses 4 through 9. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. And now when he had said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? 
And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke of those whom you gave me. I have lost none. Jesus knows all things. He knew they were coming. He knew when they would get there. He knew all things. He had been telling his disciples since the very, very beginning when they acknowledged that he was the Messiah. He'd been telling that he had to go to Jerusalem. He had to suffer at the hands of the religious leaders. He would be beaten. He would be cruelly uh, scourged. He would go to a cross. He would die. But three days later, he would rise again. He'd been telling them that and telling them that. He knew that he was going to be despised and rejected by men. He knew that he would be wounded for their transgressions and bruised for their iniquities. He knew that the stripes that were going to be laid on his back were for us and would be our healing. He knew that they would smite him and beat him. He knew they would mock him and scorn him and spit on him. No wonder he was asking the Father to remove the cup. No wonder his humanity was saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, Lord, is there another way? Can you not redeem mankind another way? Nevertheless, if this is what you want, I submit to your will. Let me ask you a question. If you knew all this was going to happen, would you hang around? If you knew all of this was going to take place in your life in a matter of hours, would you hang around? Or if you had a means of escape, would you not run away? And certainly you wouldn't go forth and meet them. Jesus went out there and he met them. As they came in, Jesus went out there and met them. Hebrews tells us that it was the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross, despising shame. He went forth. No thought of running away. No thought of hiding. He would submit to the Father's will now because he was convinced that there was no other way to redeem mankind. There was no other way to redeem mankind. And he would now submit to the Father's will. So he steps forward now as if he says, I'm ready to pay the price. And he steps forward. He's ready to give his life. No man takes my life. I give it freely. And he's ready to give it up. He's ready to manifest this supreme and perfect love of the Father for everyone to see. Greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus stepped forward. What Judas, nor the detachment of troops, by the way, in some translations it says the band. I don't think they were carrying instruments. But in some translations it does say that. But Judas, nor the guys who were with him, Maybe even not the disciples understood Jesus was in perfect control of the situation. He was in perfect control. He says, who are you looking for? Now, somebody might come to you and go, well, if he was really God, didn't he know who they were looking for? Well, of course he did. I just told you he knew everything. Of course he did. But he's trying to get something out of them. He always uses other people. He always, they responded, Jesus of Nazareth. And then he answers, I am. You are a sure We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on A Sure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. 
You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.